When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just a reminder that Big Mood, Little Mood with Daniel M. Lavery happens twice a week. Slate Plus members get an additional mini episode or Little Big Mood every Friday. Sign up now to listen at slate.com slash mood. Hello and welcome back to Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny Lavery, and with me in the studio this week is Oyan Mukherjee, a writer and musician based in Massachusetts. He's a member of the band Darling Side, and he's also working on an Indian cookbook with his mother, Jyoti. Oyan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Danny. It is a pleasure to be here. And secretly also in the studio this week is my last guest, Elisa Gonzalez. She's still here. You heard her last week, but uh, through the magic of audio recording, uh, that hasn't happened yet. That week has not yet elapsed. So she just stuck around. The three of us met at summer camp earlier this summer. I haven't shut up about it. I've been bringing you all on my show because I had such a nice time at summer camp. Oyan taught me to juggle, taught me how to slack line. Elise and I had perfect opinions and watched a bunch of amazing old movies together and screamed at beautiful clothes. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, you two both know how to live in ways that other people don't. And I think everyone who listens to the show should benefit from your experience. I am honored and concerned that I might not live up to these expectations, but I'm ready. I'm ready to try. I I think you're going to do great. And just in case anyone listening wants to know, like, what's going on in everyone's lives, what's changed uh, Oyan recently lost most of his clothes uh, to the the great country of Canada, which I guess just didn't want you to have clothes anymore. Yeah, they took them from me at the airport and told me they would get them back I, that I would get them back at the end of my flight uh, with Air Canada. And turns out that it might take forty five days. Forty uh, five. Yeah, that's what the Air Canada has a um, all of their English speaking uh, assistance is outsourced to India. And so I've been speaking with a lot of Indian folks at call centers. And uh, the last call, I was just calmly instructed to just wait for the 45 days that they advised it, it might take. I think after that is when they just pay you for the luggage, assuming it's locked forever. I, I, I like the idea of calmly waiting. I think you're good at calmly waiting. I hope that you're rewarded at the end of it. But um, it does kind of make it sound like they're doing something really perverse with your clothes. Like we have them. We're just not ready to give them back. And we're not going to be finished with what we're doing until a month and a half. They're embroidering little Canadian flags on all my stuff, though, which would be pretty cool. You know, I'd be respected be as a world traveler. Yeah. Well, all right. Um, so just uh, with that sort of minimalistic enforcement on your mind, hopefully that's going to be an energy that we can bring to bear to our problems today. Uh, I'm really excited about our first letter because, as you two will remember, this happened to all three of us in real life. We, we met at a writer's residency and we all quickly got along very well. So well, in fact that people would occasionally say, what's going on here? And we would sometimes joke, well, we're just a five-person polycule in, in the way that you do. And, and that's kind of what seems to be going on here. Like the main issue is sort of like, am I in a couple? Am I in part of a friend group? 
Am I in several different open relationships, some of which I hate? Uh, and like, where do my rights begin and end and where do somebody else's rights begin and end? And I think that's a really interesting way to think about human relationships. Also, I love the fake names the letter writer chose for this. I assume this is most of the cast of Ratatouille. I saw Remy and I made an assumption. It's been a while since I saw Ratatouille. The subject is tainted love. Remy and I began dating two years ago. We met in a close-knit circle that had formed during the pandemic. As soon as Remy and I became a couple, however, Remy's roommates Amy and Adrian started acting weird. Amy made a strange comment about how glad she was that Remy was dating someone of my racial background. Adrian started an outright beef with me about something trivial and was often rude to me at social gatherings. Amy sometimes seemed upset when she saw me with Remy. I later found out through mutual friends that she was angry I was spending time in their apartment and that she had harbored feelings for Remy for a long time. Amy made some strange overtures to Remy which I found inappropriate, like inviting herself to his parents' house and posting couple-e pictures of the two of them on her Instagram. Then she started avoiding him and spreading rumors. Adrian moved away last year. The problem is that Remy is still mourning his relationship with Amy and Adrian. He considers them, quote, some of the best friends he has had since moving to the city and blames me for losing them. Although he is mostly a very sweet guy, he will occasionally bring this up. I was also sad to lose two friends I cared about, but his resentment troubles me. I don't know if there's a particular place either of you would like to start with this. I feel like some of the objections the letter writer brings up make a lot of sense to me, whereas some of them don't. So I'm wondering if maybe you two would care to join me in trying to not necessarily rank them, but to decide like which ones feel like that's troubling or worth discussing and other ones that maybe we could encourage the letter writer to let go of. Does that seem reasonable? Yeah. I'm on board. Great. So, okay. So Amy made a strange comment about being glad that Remy was dating someone of my racial background. That's weird, right? It was deeply weird, I thought. I don't know. I mean, yeah, to, I, I don't know when that's <laughs> general commenting positively or negatively, negatively about racial backgrounds is, is pretty tricky stuff. And I think, <laughs> yeah, it's not like, oh, if you say I'm really glad he's dating someone of your racial background, suddenly someone's supposed to feel good about it. Like, obviously, it'd be worse if she had said I'm feeling bad about it, but it doesn't make it good that she said I've noticed your race and I approve. I was amusing myself trying to guess what arrangement of racial backgrounds was happening. I'm glad you amused yourself with that. Do you want to share with the class? It was just an imaginative project. I was like, that's, I am glad that they are doing this because <laughs> it expands his, Remy's horizons. Is it like, I'm glad because I just think people who look like you are so good? I don't know. It was so strange, um, but clearly motivated by something else. It's possible maybe if they're all three of the same racial background that it's like not as weird. Okay. But that seems like something that the letter writer might have included. I, 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 I think I have your sense there as well. That would probably be the least weird out of all the possibilities. But I do think the letter writer probably included it because it felt like alienating. Mm -hmm. So I think then the next sort of section I feel less solid about. And, and part of that's just because it involves so much vagueness. And, and I don't mean to say like the letter writer did a bad job describing their situation. Just I, I don't know what starting an outright beef about something trivial looked like. I don't know if the rudeness was something that like letter writer, you and your partner both noticed. I don't know if you ever said anything. Then there's 
you know, I learned from some mutual friends that Amy was mad uh, and that they thought she liked Remy. And I just wonder so much later, were there maybe missed opportunities to have clarifying conversations that could have prevented because I can the thing that really stuck out to me was I later found out through mutual friends that Amy was angry I was spending so much time in their apartment. And I just wondered, I, I've certainly experienced this in my life when you're in a group of friends and then two people start dating. Sometimes the assumption is just everyone will be so happy to be around us in our dating capacity in the same way they might have been when we were just friends. But if you're living together as well, suddenly it's like, well, now your girlfriend's always over here. And that that to me it seemed like a possibly reasonable objection somebody might have. How did that strike you, Oyan? Yeah, I, I think the same. It's like I uh, the transformation of relationships within a small, closely knit group is just it's a tricky thing to navigate, and um, it takes I think a lot of communication for it to go okay. <laughs> and 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 uh, there can be like jealousy can crop crop up even in non romantic capacities, and so. I think the discussion of like Amy being jealous, potentially, I, I get that. But also maybe Adrian was getting jealous, not because of anything romantic, but just just um, the way that time is spent. Like I, I know that in college for me, like when one of my friends started dating someone else and all of the time was spent there or she was always around, it was just like it made for a very it just it, it transformed the vibe of, of any hang. And I think being aware of that is, is uh, useful. Yeah, I totally agree. I think transforming the vibe of a hang Again, not that that's like a, a sacred thing that must always be protected with swords, but it, it is a big part of why people hang out. And I think sometimes in conversations like this one, it can be easy to reduce it to, well, Amy must just be jealous because she wanted to go out with Remy and that's the only possible interest she could have here. Whereas oftentimes people can experience jealousy or even just like a desire to maintain some degree of an independent friendship when a friend gets into a new romantic relationship that is not just to be dismissed as mere jealousy or you just want to be the girlfriend instead of the friend and that's all that it is. So I do think I, I want to encourage the letter writer, even though a lot of this is at this point sort of hypothetical, um, to at least consider what are ways that we maybe could have talked about this a little bit better between the four of us about checking in earlier or in the future if I start to date someone or uh, am friends with someone who I'm also friends with their roommates and some of us are dating, like how do we check in and say, is it helpful to have a few nights a week where you know we're not going to be spending the night together here uh, just because people need space? That's reasonable. So I, I also just would encourage you, letter writer, sometimes it's easy if you hear from other people something that kind of confirms your prior assumptions about another person to treat that as just gospel truth. And given that Amy genuinely said something fucked up to you and then also there was just like weird, troubling, slightly confusing behavior that you didn't quite know how to navigate – um, all of that's real and understandable, but I, I, I worry that there's going to be a tendency here. Well, my mutual friend said that she didn't like how much time I was spending in their apartment and she had liked Remy for a long time. And you're just going to take that as like, that's it. That's the only explanation. But just bear in mind, like you heard that from other people. You heard that secondhand. I don't know if that means that she had at one point said, yeah, it's kind of frustrating having them in the like common room all the time. And I wish sometimes we had more time to just like be chill roommates or she said, I fucking hate that letter writer is here. All day. Like it could be anything in between those two things. Um, you you just don't know. You only got it secondhand. And same again, I don't know. Maybe she said to them, I'm deeply in love with Remy. I wish I was Remy's girlfriend. I wish I could cut apart the letter writer with knives and replace her. But probably it wasn't quite up to that level. So I would just encourage you to 
give a little less weight to that in terms of thinking about. So so that's some of the assigning. Um, inviting herself to his parents' house, I just don't think is that weird. No, I, I, I mean. To, to me, this felt like the letter writer is kind of saying like there are certain categories of things that only a girlfriend should do. And sure, you know, when it comes to like, I don't know, having sex together, you can reasonably expect that that's going to be something exclusive to you. But I think inviting yourself over to a friend's parents' house is like not weird. Yeah. And and it feels a little bit more like you were just already having trouble with Amy and you want to add to your list of objections. And I, I really just think posting couple pictures of the two of them on her Instagram is like, if the two of them were hanging out and they took a picture, how could they not look like a couple? It's two people. That's one couple. To, to me, that was just totally like, that's not that's not a real thing. I don't know, Oyan, if you felt differently about that, but to me, that just felt like you have other stuff you're really mad about. This is not real. Well, he definitely has feelings about Instagram. But. Oh, yeah. Well, so you you have a, a, a healthy relationship to Instagram in that you have it and don't use it. Uh, has that brought you a lot of joy and peace in your life? Uh, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I recommend no it to everyone. No one's saying, hey, you took a picture with a friend recently that looks too much like you're a couple. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's pretty common to put pictures of yourself and people you hang out with on Instagram and then and upload it. Yeah, that's a standard move. Pretty standard. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that the line between what is and isn't a couple, unless, unless you, you're allowed to write captions, right? Unless you write a caption, look, we're a couple. I can see there that maybe it's a little less vague. But um, <laughs> if someone wrote, look, we're a couple underneath the photo, I would assume they were joking because that oh, sounds man, psychopathic. Wow. It's, what, it sounds so difficult to navigate. You all must have such finely honed skills uh, that I lack. <laughs> um, yeah, it strikes me as as a thing that is very hard to pin down, um, or, or at least, um, something that's not worth, I, th- I think your, your take on it, Danny is, is, um, exactly where my head is at too. Just like, uh, at this point we're looking for things that are not feeling great. And I really get it when you're really mad at someone. I don't know if you're familiar, uh, either of you with the expression bitch eating crackers. Mm-hmm. You explained Great. it to me recently. Great. Last and month. I know I've explained it on the show, so I won't explain it again, but I think that's where this letter writer is. Um, and it's, so it's also just like, and another thing. When she hangs out with Remy, she posts pictures of him, which is like, that's pretty normal. But what it is, is I'm mad at her. I suspect her of liking him too much. I suspect her of like uh, on a subterranean level wanting to take him away from me. And so I want to treat this as a boundary violation. But I think the things that you are actually troubled by are real and meaningful in their own right. You don't need to go adding to it. Um, And just generally, I think it will make you less happy in life if you do things like get mad about other people taking pictures with your boyfriend on Instagram. Um, I would encourage you to really let go of that. I think that's the kind of like keeping tabs or kind of jealously guarding every inch of your partner's personal life in a way that is going to not make you actually feel more secure and will make your partner eventually feel kind of like surveilled in a way that will make them want to get away from you. So that's not to say like, wow, you're a controlling monster, just like that can spiral out of control pretty quickly and easily. So I would encourage you to move away from that. So, you know, then she started avoiding Remy and spreading rumors. To me, it just feels like you all kind of avoided direct conversations until things devolved to such a point that everyone was mad, everyone was resentful, everyone felt sort of cheated or overlooked or misunderstood, and then they moved away. And so the question now is like, what do we do? And and I don't know if either of you two feel like, is it worth encouraging the letter writer to talk to her boyfriend and say like, 
I know you've brought up a few times feeling sad about the end of these friendships. Do you want to talk to either of them and try to like hash things out and repair your friendship? Does that feel possible or or like something we would want to encourage the letter writer and her partner to consider doing? Or do you think it's like water under the bridge, these friendships are lost, but in the future you can avoid repeating these mistakes? Oyan, you go first. Yeah. Um, I mean, so the the mourning the friendships, like it sounds like Adrian moved away flat out. So mm-hmm. like the idea that that friendship isn't what it once was, like I mean, location is such a big part of the ability to keep in touch or easily keep in touch. And so that was one line that this is uh, tangential to your question, but it, like that struck me just as, as a thing that slightly strange within the letter and that the person moved away and uh, there's still blame for the friendship not being what it was or, or, or having disintegrated. Um, and that there feels like that's probably a, a significant part of it too, is just the fact that there's not regular contact. But no, I, I would advocate, I think I generally am in favor of, of being in touch, even to check in, even, even if there's not really a hope or it doesn't feel like there's hope of repairing the relationship back to where it once was, um, mm-hmm. to even like not sit with potentially poisonous feelings or, uh, and, and checking in to see like where, yeah, where everyone's sitting. Cause it feels like there are a lot of assumptions that are made in this. Like there's, there's a lot of Intel from, from other sources and sitting down and talking. I, I guess the, one of the questions is like, whether that's the thing that Remy should do on their own or whether it would be a uh, letter writer and Remy. Mm-hmm. And it like, they're also like being the letter writer being blamed for the relationships falling apart that's a strange thing. Like it's, they both presumably made a decision to be in a relationship together. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I I felt the same way because I think I've so far kind of focused on where I think the letter writer could change something or, or I want to steer her away from something, but I really agree. I don't like that Remy has blamed her either explicitly or implicitly. Um, He could have also had conversations with those friends. He's choosing to date her. She's not like a, a storm that happened to him. So I don't know if he's come out and explicitly said that or letter writer, you've just gotten that impression, but absolutely I would encourage you to talk to him and say, you know, either you've said this outright or I'm getting the feeling that you blame me. And I really, really want to like, let's nip that in the bud. Like if you're feeling sad about these friendships, let's talk about what trying to reconnect might look like, but we're both in this relationship. I didn't do this to you. Yeah. I would, I would also encourage the letter writer to, if the letter writer is comfortable with it, let Remy know that they are welcome to continue those friendships. Like there's no, like I'm not getting the sense the letter writer has said, you're not allowed to talk to these people. They're off Mm -hmm. limits. Like you can't be associating with them anymore. Mm -hmm. Granted, it's like tricky. And and for the letter writer to maybe make known that there are some tough feelings or it's a a tricky terrain to navigate for the letter writer, but that, that doesn't necessarily stop Remy from pursuing or maintaining friendships that they choose to have. So like I, that, that was a confusing bit for me where it's like that, that, uh, a, that the friendships were just like lost and that it's the letter writer's fault. And that, that seems like a very pat way to um, sum it up, but doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think maybe the place for the letter writer to get more information is aside from the general sense you've gotten that your partner blames you. Like, I wonder, does, does Remy agree with you that what Amy said about your race was fucked up? Um whatever it was that Adrian started that quarrel with you about something trivial and the way in which he was rude, did your partner see that? Uh, did Remy agree that that was rude? Not because you have to see eye to eye about everything, but if his general stance is like, you know, Amy probably didn't mean it in a weird way and you're just being sensitive and I didn't see Adrian being rude to you and it doesn't bother me and I blame you for the end of these relationships, I would lean more in the direction of like, 
that troubles me about Remy. And if it's more just you haven't really talked about this as a couple because you've been avoiding so many conversations, maybe this is a good opportunity to get more on the same page. Totally. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it sounds like they don't have, Remy and the letter writer don't have the same narrative of what happened. And so that perhaps because they're not talking about it or perhaps because it's too sensitive and fraught because there are so many grievances. Um, And I think it seems worth hashing out a story like, or at least sharing your stories of like, what happened? Why would letter writer be responsible for this? Why is Remy mourning? I mean, I get mourning a friendship that you know, ends up being bad. But if someone were treating, if one of my friends were treating my significant other badly for a long period of time, I I wouldn't be like, I might have been like, I'm sorry that that happened, but I wouldn't be like, oh my God, yeah. I miss that friendship. So it feels like there's um, a lot of this letter seems to hinge around people not talking to each other the way that they perhaps yeah. should or being willing to have difficult conversations. And I definitely get it can be difficult, especially when you're in your early, I, I, my sense was that these letter writers might have been in their like early slash mid twenties, possibly older, but it, it seemed like maybe earlier on when you're sort of forming your first post college like social groups and people often move in and out and there's a sort of sense of uh, how do I engage in conflict with people who are not my relatives? Um, sometimes that can be really hard and people will avoid low grade conflict. But I don't know. I had a really good conversation last night with a really good friend of mine over something that was, you know, somewhere between something we disagreed about and kind of a misunderstanding. And one of the things I was really grateful was my friend was just incredibly like generous, relaxed, not looking to place blame. So we were able to talk about it well. And we could also kind of realize, oh, we've both been avoiding this for the last two weeks because we really wanted to feel chill about it. And then that was sort of turning into avoidance of the kind that then breeds like now I'm telling myself the story where I'm being overlooked and misunderstood and you're doing the same thing on your end. And I really appreciated that my friend initiated the conversation. And so I really I do understand like it's it's easy to let little things build up. Um, but it was also just really nice. And once we had that talk, it was great. And now I feel like we're just able to keep on trucking instead of like, oh, this is kind of in the back of my mind. And if we fight again in the future, I'm going to bring it up or like then I'm going to be extra mad about it, which is something I always want to steer people away from when I can because I'm really good at convincing myself. I don't mind this. It's not a big deal. And then at the next disagreement, <laughs> like bringing it up with like an extra layer wrapped around it. And now it's 10 times bigger. And I'm like, actually, it is a big deal. It speaks to state of mind, your honor. And here's my case against you. And that's just not a good way to like have friendships. So I've I've had to get a lot better at that in my own life. Do you guys have any last thoughts with this one? Uh, or should we move on to uh, having the worst boss I can possibly imagine? Um, maybe a letter writer, leave Instagram. <laughs> that might also be helpful. You know, I, I, I think that if it's bringing you this much pain, reconsider your relationship is an excellent idea. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done. All right. All right. We got one last letter before I let you both go. Uh, and it's really sweet and uh, totally, totally not going to work out. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, come on. When you when you give someone an ultimatum and then you write to an advice columnist saying, we're getting closer to the end of the ultimatum and I, I don't think they're going to do it. What do I do? And it's like, well, what did you say you were going to do in the ultimatum? you know what's coming, but that's just my, that's my bias. You two might have different ideas. You're so. expert bias, Danny. You're an expert advice giver. So I don't yeah. even know if it's an expert thing. I just think if you say like, you have to do this in a year or I don't see a future for us and then they don't do it. Like, well, you gave them two options. Take the one, like you planned this. It's sort of like saying, you know, if no one brings me spaghetti tomorrow, I'm going to get a haircut. And then no one brings you spaghetti. What do I do? Get a haircut. Do the thing you said you were going to do. It's not a great analogy. Would you no, read the letter so awesome I can stop analogy. myself? <laughs> that was a really good analogy. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I miss you so much, man. <laughs> Subject, colon, putting it off. I, he, him, have been dating my boyfriend, he, him, for two and a half years. His parents are conservative Catholics and are very homophobic. We have lived together for nine months and his family thinks we're roommates. They're the only people in his life who don't know we're dating. He loves them and wants them to be in his life. I want to marry him eventually, and I want to have some time for them to get used to the idea that he's gay and we're together before we invite them. I've gotten to the point where I need to see some progress from him in six months, not necessarily coming out to them, but being a little more truthful about how much time we spend together, or else I won't be able to see us progressing any further. I told him he had a year six months ago and there hasn't been any progress. He's had panic attacks about lying to them, and I've suggested therapy. He seemed receptive, but whenever I bring up specifics, even offering to give him a list of people to contact, he withdraws. I recognize therapy isn't for everyone, and I can't force him to go, but I'm struggling to figure out something else he could do or another place he could get support that isn't as daunting as therapy seems to be. Do you have any suggestions? I'm afraid if I don't push, he'll put it off until I'm at my breaking point and come out without a plan in fear of losing me. So you both know where I am, which is... It's a tough spot. Yeah, I think you've already been pushing, and you're coming to the end of the pushing period, and you just don't want to accept that he's probably not going to do it, and you either have to break up with him or take back your ultimatum, and I get that that can be difficult for a number of reasons, but my, my, my guess is you could push all you want, he's still not going to do it, you're probably going to have to break up. Do either of you have other thoughts? I'm I'm starting from a place of pessimism, so maybe we can start from someplace else with you two. Me, the notorious optimist. Um, I that was actually your cue, and to say something optimistic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. no, I, sorry, I didn't I didn't know whether you whether I was supposed to say something optimistic or di- or disagree or agree with you as an optimist. Uh, so I want to know what you think. Kept my mouth shut. Yeah. Okay. Um, I will say what I think. I appreciated that the letter writer didn't like Danny's uh, fear and or just measure of things that they will break up wasn't even something that the letter writer acknowledged. The letter writer said that they're just afraid that he's going to come out without a plan, which is like, so it's going to be like a a bumbling move and it's going to like kind of be, be less clean than it would have otherwise been in terms of like coming out without a plan. And so that is the letter writer's fear. Not that like they're going to have to break up. It's more that just like the ultimatum is going to come and 
the boyfriend is just going to like blurt it out and not know what to do. And so, yeah, I'm like, I'm, that is, that is curious to me. Mm -hmm. There is a faith that the, that the, the boyfriend is going to come out, um, because they want to get married, but, uh, or excuse me, because he wants to get married, um, also, but the letter writer not acknowledging that the boyfriend might not come out at all is curious. Uh, and so like, and, and sort of has, there's, there's an element of, um, maybe the, I'm sure certainly the letter writer knows more than we do, but there's also a concern I have about like the letter writer having some illusions about what definitely is going to happen or what isn't going to happen. See, that was so insightful. Wise, perceptive, handsome. Oh man. Wow. Stop. <laughs> he called me hot on the last one. So you have to. Take I'm your sorry. Turn. You're both very good looking geniuses. That's my fault now. That's my problem. No, please keep saying it. I'm not hiding your lights under a bushel. Um, I also was thinking about that line not to, you know, jump on your genius, but it does seem like the submerged fear is that they will break up and the expressed fear is something different, um, which, again, we don't know that much about the relationship, but the complete lack of movement combined with the apparent level of anxiety, panic attacks about lying to them, which I was wondering if there was also panic attacks about like potentially telling them was maybe embedded or just, it seems like the relationship with the parents is obviously very complicated. Um, I guess a question that I have for this letter writer is, would you be okay if he never came? Like, could you keep going if this didn't? It doesn't sound like it. Sounds it. like fucking awful. I sure wouldn't, but. No, but I mean, this. It's not me. I would be pessimistic that without significant therapy or some radical change that the boyfriend is going to be able to do this thing, which is, to be fair, can be quite hard. Yeah. I, I do think that, you know, I, I think that was an excellent point about uh, kind of recognizing the closest the letter writer gets to acknowledging the possibility that they might break up is I'm afraid he'll put it off until I'm at my breaking point. And so the sort of implication is when I'm at my breaking point and I say it's today, it's now or never, you either come out right now or I am out, walking out the door, then my partner will do it, but he'll do it in a rush, in a panic, and only because he's afraid of losing me. And that would be less than ideal. And, and yeah, Oyana, share your sense of signs are not tending in that direction. I don't think that's going to be what happens. I think that when you get to your breaking point, your boyfriend's going to have a really good reason for putting it off again. And either you will accept that and then extend your breaking point for a little while longer, or you'll just say, this, this is driving me nuts. I can't stand this. Um, you are in a better position than us to know what that looks like for you. You get to make that decision for yourself, certainly. But I do think it's important to be honest with yourself. If you do reach the end of that time period and he has taken no steps and you say, I'm at the end of my rope and he doesn't come out. If you do choose to stay, you will have a resentment with you. And I, I don't want to say that that will make your relationship impossible or that you can't possibly work through it, but it will be there and it will be real and it will be important for you to find ways to talk about. And so far, it seems like your boyfriend has really been unable to talk about this. It's not even just that he's not willing to come out to them. It's also you ask him, will you go to therapy? And he says, yes. And then you say, will you take steps towards going to therapy? And he says, hell no. 
And that's difficult. And, you know, sometimes on the show I talk about, well, it can be really difficult to find support, but also sometimes it's really fucking easy to get support. And looking for support in terms of coming out to your parents, like that's half the internet. <laughs> it's fucking everywhere. I, again, I don't mean to make light of this. I understand that it's difficult, but coming out to your religious family is the subject of a lot of like books and movies and therapist specialties and support groups and like gay people's conversations. Like it's out there if you want to find it. He has so far like flinched away from trying to find it. So again, I just want to say letter writer, not that he's unreasonable or bad or weird for being afraid of his parents or being sad about the possibility of losing them. But like, come on, it's not. You've been making it as easy as possible for him. It's out there. This is not an impossible thing for him to get support in figuring out how he wants to do it. That being said, I think your worst case scenario is not that bad. You you say you're worried he'll come out without a plan. I think that's fine. It's not going to go well. There's no, like the, the idea that if he can come out in a successful enough way or a skillful enough way, it's not going to go badly. Totally fantasy. Totally made up. I was wondering about that. It's going to go so bad. They're going to fucking hate it. They're going to be such dicks about it. It's going to devastate him. That's just going to happen. There's no way around that. So plan or no plan. Like, I mean, I love that little, oh, um, they know. They absolutely know. They know you're not roommates. Who Who's bought the roommate line in the last 50 years? People weren't buying that in the 50s. That was just like, that was the window dressing they demanded of gay people in order to let them get away with that little bit. Like, they fucking know. The reason that your boyfriend is constantly having panic attacks is because your fam- his family has spent a lifetime making it clear if you ever try to fucking tell us about this, that will be the end of our love for you. And so he knows that even though they already know he's living a lie um, and he's not living a lie because they're in the dark. He's living a lie because they're forcing him to, because they want him to, because they've been demanding that of him all the time since he was little. And he's devastated of like acknowledging they love me conditionally and they will hurt me if I try to talk to them honestly about my life. But yeah, they don't think that the two of you are buddies. They fucking know. So obviously like my bias is really strong here. Mine is. What bias, Danny? Yeah, I just, I want him to free himself from this panicked state, not because I think it's going to be easy or fun, but just because I think like the jig is so up and it's been up for such a long time and the weight that it takes to pretend is devastating, both to him and to you. Um, And at least on the other side of like a really bad shitty coming out where they say inappropriate fucked up stuff is like, you can vent, you can get mad, you can get sad, you can start to plan what you want to do with your time and your emotional energy now that it's not all wrapped up in lying. And then you can start to like find better things on the other side. But yeah, if it was going to help to, you know, be together silently for two and a half years, pretend to be roommates, you know what I mean? Like, I've never heard anyone say, you know, I pretended to be roommates with my partner for three years then I eased my parents into the idea of my being gay by inventing a different boyfriend, then getting rid of him. Then eventually I eased them into the idea of my dating my roommate because we'd, you know, like, if that worked, gay people would be doing this shit all the time. It doesn't work. It's like trying to unwrap a candy bar really slowly in a movie theater because the previews just stopped and it's gotten really quiet and you don't want to bother anyone. But the slower you unwrap the candy wrapper, it doesn't get any quieter. It just makes it take longer. So everyone hears you more. Just rip open the Snickers bar, eat your damn Snickers. Um, 
obviously. That was an extremely mind. evocative analogy, Danny. I thought a lot about it, believe me. I'm applauding over here. (laughs) I I had a religious family. I came out to them a number of times uh, with a number of identities. And every time I wish I hadn't waited as long as I did, uh, in part because they usually knew and also because my fantasy that I was going to be able to manage it so well, it was never uncomfortable or painful, was just a total fantasy. Um, So I really, really do get that. But um, yeah, letter writer, I think you can you can lovingly go through with an ultimatum and just say, I love you. I get that this is hard, but you have options for finding support and you can do this. And if you choose not to, that doesn't make you a bad person, but it does mean that I can't keep dating you. That's a pretty reasonable thing to say, um, especially after two and a half years. It, it just doesn't sound to me like you want to keep doing this for the rest of your life. And um, the only other thing you can do short of demanding it is to say, be well, call me if you ever come out. If I'm single, let's hang out. And if I'm not, good luck, you know? Yeah, it's the spaghetti or the haircut. Spaghetti or the haircut. And I think you kind of have to be willing to get the haircut. It's nice to get a haircut. I got a haircut the other day. It feels great. Every time I've ever gotten a haircut, it's because I woke up that day and I thought, if I don't cut my hair today, I will fucking die. Remember when you threatened to cut all my hair? Every time you get a haircut? Every time I get a haircut, it's never because I planned like, oh, I bet next week I'll need one. I never anticipate them. I only realize that I find the current length of hair I have completely intolerable. It's sort of like how whenever I break up with someone, it's almost always like within the day of realizing it. I've never been one of those people who's like, oh, I've been thinking about ending this relationship for a while. As soon as I realize I, it's like throwing up. Once I realize I have to do it, I can't put it off. I'm, I'm looking at Elisa like, and you know how like everyone feels that exact same way? And she was just sort of like, interesting. He can see me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what your reaction to that was. Maybe you wait to break up with people a long time. Maybe you're still dating everyone you've ever dated. I don't know. Yeah, totally. It's hard managing 15 relationships, but you know, you got to do it. Um, If anyone could. Only 15. Only 15. Um, I had one other thing I wanted to add to this, or two things actually to add to this discussion. One is um, the stakes, uh, a.k.a. E-S, not E-A-K-S, feel different within the letter to me. Like at the end, the letter writer writes about their breaking point. But at the beginning, the hope is to have the parents have some time to get used to the idea that he's gay and, the word, and that they're together before they invite the parents to the wedding. And like, I think may, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but if the ultimatum is that you have a year to tell your parents so that they have time to get used to us being together before we get married so that everything can be like comfortable for the wedding as opposed to you have a year to tell your parents before I vamoose. Mm-hmm. That's the first time I've used that word, uh, I think. <laughs> you did it beautifully. It, felt, it sounded like it you've been saying it all your life. Like you sound porn. like a cowboy. <laughs> yeah, you sound like a great think, wise old prospector. Oh, I felt like I, I sped the first syllable up a little bit so it became a vamoose as opposed to, I don't know. I'm, well, you I'm, have to vamoose through the word vamoose because yeah, maybe it itself means to hurry. Yeah, it felt like there was an apostrophe rather than an A there for that <laughs> schwa. But, um, Isn't it a but, perversion of Spanish? It's like from vamonos? Oh, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, that makes that a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, continue. Sorry for being a pervert. Um, yeah, <laughs> but like, I'm I'm concerned that the letter writer has maybe not let the boyfriend know the true stakes here, mm-hmm. um, and that like, if it's if it's about like, do this quickly. So, it, and I guess part of it is it's couched in service of the boyfriend's parents. It's like give your parents some time to get used to this idea, so that they can be comfortable at the wedding, as opposed to do this, otherwise I'm out. Those are very different 
that was a very different period. <laughs> There's some, like those um, evoke different senses of urgency in me. And so I would hope that the letter writer is sort of like letting the boyfriend know how important this is, because it seems like it's quite important and it's not for the parent's comfort. It's for the letter writer to want to be in a relationship is what it sounds like. Yeah. And I think too, uh, certainly it is not unheard of for homophobic families to eventually and at some point come around. Often it's because they've been cut off and not before. Um, but you shouldn't count on it. And I think the odds that this is going to be one of those families that, frankly, you could give them a decade and I think they still wouldn't come to the wedding. Um, I, I think it's more important to think about coming out in terms of not continuing to hide something like a wedding, but I think the odds that they will ever want to come are pretty low. But I could be wrong. I have been wrong about these things before, but I'm usually not. Also, uh, vamoose is a, a bastardization of vamos um, and vamanos, and so that's something. And varmint is a corruption of the word vermin, which also came up because it was like cowboy slang. Uh, so, and and vittles is just a bastardization of victuals. So I did know that. These are all the V words that cowboys say that now we can say if we want. Brian, you have to use all of them. Yeah, I'd like you to use yeah. all of these in a sentence today, please, and then text okay, us when I'm going to do my best. Oh, the <laughs> other thing I wanted to mention um, where I will, not, I will not use these three words is the, uh, this is this is a meta discussion, but the act of reading a letter uh -huh. changed my relationship to what was happening in the letter strongly. Ooh, it was on. very cool. Yeah, like, I mean... I think I was I was sympathetic to the letter writer before reading the letter, but then reading it out loud and trying to do so neutrally, or at least like with sympathy for the writer in my voice changed. Like I was like much more affectionate slash sympathetic towards the writer, I think, than I was when I first did. And I, I was just, it's a curious thing, like to hear someone else read it versus to, re versus to read it yourself has a, uh, it just had an effect that was quite cool that I was not expecting. To read, to imagine, to empathize. That's you, man. I mean, there's a reason that you delight my heart so much. And I'm just so grateful to have gotten to chat with you a little bit today. I just think you're the best varmint I ever met. And I hope you never vamoose out of my life. God, that was good. Dude. I'm not uh, going to say anything like and that. And you and I will be eating vittles in a few Vittle. minutes. Yeah, I'm bummed to be missing the vittle hang. Oh, and um, we're going to text you the menu so that you can tell us what to order. Or tell me what to order. Danny oh, will have beautiful. ideas. I'll tell you to tell Elisa what to order so that you still feel comfortably like you're being restaurant topped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just um, tell me, uh, include any dietary current dietary restrictions in there so that I know not to make some stupid mistake. I'm I'm going to help you top. Don't worry. I'm going <laughs> to top you, your topping. You, you, you're never going to have to worry about getting steered in the wrong direction. Folks, um, I need to get out of here or I will become delirious with friendship. But thank you all so much for listening and I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice or conversations with our guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $15 for your first three months. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe you need some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our big mood, little mood listener question form or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. 
Thanks for listening. And here's a preview of our Slate Plus episode coming this Friday. I think there's a reason that we all have avoided this kind of work as much as we can. Oyan, I don't mean to speak for you. I don't know if this... Uh, Danny, I love when you speak for me. I, give me. Tell me why I'm here, please. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> you're here because you're a delight and because you can turn the world on with your smile, like Mary Tyler Moore. I just oh, assumed wow. your spirit would not allow you to be contained in an office. That too. Um, I mean, I once managed a pizza shop, and I kind of was the HR there, along with management and a lot of other duties that I'm not sure I performed 100%. But, um, but yeah, I, have, I know what an office is. I've seen one before. And you remember then, okay, so I, I realize this isn't the same as working at a nonprofit, but, like, when you were managing this pizza store, would you ever, if you saw someone generally, like, staying on top of their tasks? For example, if you ever saw someone standing and leaning against something, did you ever say to them, hey, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean? To listen to the rest of that conversation, join Slate Plus now at slate.com forward slash mood.